I'm Carson Horn, and it's Monday at 10, which means it's time for Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So grab your toilet paper and let's get rolling. Auburn football won on Saturday. What was your feeling on Saturday afternoon? Was it relief? Was it excitement? We'll dive into that matchup today. You're listening to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. I'm Carson Horn. Thank you all for tuning in on this Monday morning here in Auburn, Alabama. That was a fun game on Saturday. It was fun that Auburn was able to break the SEC losing streak. We'll talk about that. We will talk about Auburn basketball on today's show. Their season is quickly approaching they play AUM this week in a exhibition before starting the regular season next week. So we'll go ahead and do a preview of Auburn basketball. And then we've got plenty to talk about for Auburn at Vanderbilt this weekend. And then a lot of great college football games that I hope I have a little bit of time to predict at the end. So again, really, really full show today. Thank you all for being tuned in. Let's not waste any more time I will dive into the the show now so as I mentioned Auburn beat Mississippi State 27 to 13 on Saturday the four game losing streak was snapped if you go back to last season it had been five straight SEC games and that Auburn and lost starting with last year's Iron Bowl and Hugh Freeze got his first SEC win at Auburn of course he had plenty back in the day with Ole Miss but his first one here at Auburn you hate to put a must-win on any game. I don't like that term. As a coach, you don't want to necessarily use it because you don't want to put added pressure necessarily on your team. But it certainly felt like that, and Hugh Freeze even admitted after the game it felt like that to this Auburn team, to this fan base, because this was not a team you could use the talent it's used for. It, it This is a team very in, in Mississippi State that was in a similar position to Auburn, you know, having a first-year head coach, uh, their first-year head coach at all was Zach Arnett at Mississippi State, his first year at uh, at Mississippi State. Yes, they didn't lose quite as much as far as the transfer portal went. They did lose some key players from, from last year's team, but, but there wasn't going to be much of an excuse. This was not a game Auburn needed to lose or should have lost, and, and they didn't. They were the better team. They were the more talented team for the first time in a while, and they showed that on Saturday. It, it was good to see, and for Auburn to win in the fashion that they won was also a, a positive. It was an incredible first half. It was one of the best first halves offensively uh, that we've seen in a long time from Auburn. I'd say against a formidable opponent, it was the best uh, first half offensively we've seen in a long, long time for, for this Auburn football team. They led 24-6 to at halftime, just throwing the ball every which way, whatever they wanted to do offensively, they were able to do. They only had two possessions, I believe, in the first half that did not result in points. Very, very impressive. I mean, the Peyton Thorne was incredible. It was the best game he has played all year. You, you know, you can argue against UMass or maybe Sanford, but, but against a formidable opponent, this was the best game he has played all year. He finished with 230 yards passing, three touchdowns, and 44 yards rushing. Just incre- an incredible game from him. That was great to see. Look, we know it's been tough. We've talked plenty about how poor this offense has been. Talked a lot about Peyton Thorne and his struggles. 
it was great to see him succeed, to see these receivers uh, succeed. And before I dive any further, I want to play this audio from Peyton Thorne on, on this game and how he felt about the quarterback rotations and the more tempo and, and how he thought that affected this game and maybe led to a little bit more success for the offense. So here's Peyton Thorne after the game. I thought it was very important. Coach emphasized it all week, and uh, I thought our guys did a good job of getting the ball back in uh, to the ref, letting them spot it, and then rolling again. So um, O-line did a good job picking up whatever they were bringing to. So uh, I thought it was a big part of what we were doing. Yeah, I would say so. Um, you know, uh, just uh, going with what Coach is calling and um, you know, doing my best to execute whatever play we put in there. And so, uh, you know, was out there, uh, I guess, more than normal. And, um, you know, just rolling with our tempo and rolling with, you know, whatever uh, guys are out there. What does it do for confidence being successful in a couple of big shots early? It helps for sure. You know, uh, when you connect down the field early on, you know, you feel good about it. And even just a little, uh, you know, five-yard hits, uh, you know, that, that that that's good early in the game to, to get those completions, get those guys involved in the game, and then, um, you know, make the defense react to it. So uh, I'd say that helps in any game. So there you go. You hear it from Peyton Thorne. I spliced two different clips there together. The first part, he was talking about playing with more tempo this week. The offense, I mentioned um, on last week's show that I felt like that Hugh Freeze was going to go with more tempo this week. They weren't super fast. They weren't Ole Miss, Tennessee level offense uh, or even Gus Malzahn back in the day tempo, but it was a little bit quicker, and they, they chose their spots and, and used it successfully, I'd say, in the first half. So there, there was a comment from Peyton Thorne on that. It seemed that, that he liked that a lot better, and then the other clip was his response to a question about the quarterback rotation. We only saw Robbie Ashford just for, I think, two snaps, two or three snaps in this game. So you hear Peyton Thorne, you know, felt like he could get more into a rhythm possibly there. And again, he gave a very, you know, PC answer. Um, it was a good answer from him. You know, he's, he's he and Robbie Asher have both handled the media very well this season and not trying to get too much into anything, certainly not complaining about about anything. But, you know, any quarterback wants to be the only quarterback that that ever takes the field for, for their team. And so I'm sure he appreciated being able to stay out there and continue to, to lead this offense to a successful game. So he, he was phenomenal, but also Jarquez Hunter had a very good game. That was the Jarquez Hunter that we had been waiting to see, had not really broken out yet, and not he had had the big run against Ole Miss and said maybe that would get him going. Certainly looks like it did. 144 yards rushing for him. Did not get a touchdown. Peyton Thorne took all of those in the passing game. But man, what a what a game for for Jarquez and happy happy for him to see him succeed like that. Uh, phenomenal player for Auburn, and then eleven different players had at least one reception. And and Peyton Thorne did hit on that as well as you heard in, in the audio clip. Getting the ball out quick, he found uh, his receivers. And again, you you can take that stat a couple of different ways. I'm taking it in a positive sense. You you can also take it in the in the sense of well, Auburn doesn't really have any uh, elite receivers. There's a, eleven different guys making receptions, and I'd say that statement is also true. But Shane Hooks made a phenomenal play. He one on one and to get into the end zone. Javarius Johnson had a big reception for a touchdown. So those guys have the ability to make some big plays. It's the problem this year has been doing it consistently and being able to consistently create separation. 
So what was really different for the for this offense in this game? I think tempo was definitely one thing that was different, less quarterback rotation. It's the stuff that many people have been saying over the last few weeks that they wanted to see and that Hugh Freeze and, and the staff have been debating. So I'm not giving the fans credit as uh, you know, like they know more than, than Hugh Freeze, but I do think some of that was common sense, and I think this coaching staff realized that, and they made the adjustments to put the, the offense in uh, better positions, but also you play lesser talent. Mississippi State, as I mentioned, was was probably below the talent level of Auburn. That's the first opponent they played in a while that that's been the case, so that, that played a role in, in it. Peyton Thorne obviously played better uh, as well, so there's, there's multiple... Uh, as always, multiple things that play a role into why this offense found more success. But the fact of the matter is, they found more success, and that is what counts this week and moving forward uh, for this Auburn offense. So that was great to see. I get to come on here. I get to talk a little bit more positive uh, about the Auburn for the first time in a while. So I was glad to not have to be negative about this offense. As for the defense in this game, they did what they needed to do. They did wear down a little bit, it seemed like, in the third quarter. Um, they they gave up more yards rushing, I think over 200 yards rushing. That's way more than, than I would like to see. They've been very good against the rushing attack this year. But in the end, though, I can't complain. They made the plays to win the football game. And Hugh Freeze commented on that after the game. I'm about to play that clip. He also commented on complimentary football. That's something that elite teams are able to do. And Auburn's certainly far from an elite team, but it is good that this program is hopefully building in that direction. Complimentary football means when your offense does something, your defense does something to match it. So if your offense goes three and out, your defense forces a three and out. Your your you know your offense gets a big score, your defense is able to keep the keep the momentum. So that happened in this game when third quarter things got tough a little bit. Offense struggled a little bit there in the third quarter. Only had one possession. The defense was able to buckle down. You also saw it there at the end of the second half, and that's what Hugh Freeze commented on. So here's Hugh Freeze's comments on the defense during the game and on complimentary football from the Tigers. Truthfully, we gave up too many explosive plays, but um, I thought they, they did a good job keeping them out of the end zone. I thought a critical uh, juncture of the game was we got the fourth down stop right before half and we took it down and scored. That was one of our better um, complimentary football series of the year. And I thought that gave us a lot of momentum and uh, certainly was good to see us execute that well offensively uh, in a two-minute situation. That's what it's all about. You find ways to win games. You're able to keep the momentum uh, going up big into into halftime. Of course, Mississippi State was getting the ball. If you remember, Mississippi State, and I was afraid of this, they, were, they had a chance to go two for one. They had a chance to score right before half and then get the ball after half. Defense didn't allow that. And then, again, third quarter was tough. Mississippi State was able to score uh, a touchdown there, but the defense ended up buckling down the fourth quarter and really was able to uh, keep this game at, at two scores, and that was crucial. This defense is thin. They are, they are extremely thin, and the defensive line, I think, did wear down some. And It's tough. Marcus Harris is carrying this defensive line on his shoulders. He is a phenomenal player, but, man, it is, it is tough for, for when you don't really have many guys that you can rotate in and out. You would like to have more guys that, that you could play, 
just quite frankly they're not good enough and, and so you're stuck with not being able to to rotate as much as you like and having to play guys more snaps than than you would like to and but that's just part of it the linebackers have been able to rotate a little bit more and that is good keeping them uh, fresh but the defensive line not so much so I wasn't surprised that they wore down a little bit but that could be an issue moving forward it hasn't been so far this season but it could be moving forward now what about the second half low offensively so Auburn only had one possession in the third quarter but there, there was a little bit of a struggle. Was it the offense trying to go more conservative since they were up big? I, uh, we'll dive into the details, but here was Hugh Freeze on that first. Yeah, but, you know, you got to know, I mean, the third quarter, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we had one possession. I mean, you know, that it, and I don't know how many we had. In the, we were backed up, though, in the fourth, so you can't be aggressive there, you know, and do something silly and, and – and give them a really short field where they don't take any time. So I, I just didn't think it ever – we had one drive in the third quarter, and then we were backed up like every drive in the fourth quarter, it felt like. So you just could not – you didn't feel the wisdom in, in being too aggressive. I was aggressive there at the end, obviously, on the third down call, and we got the pass interference. But, uh, you know, I'd made up my mind that we were going to take that shot and then fourth down, not kick it, but but run the ball and – let some more clock run with two up, you know, up two scores. So there's Hugh Freeze kind of on the mindset there in the second half offensively. Yes, they only had one possession in the third quarter, and the offense did get points. It was a field goal. They did get points there in the third quarter, and it's the balance, as I just mentioned, with this with this defense, and that is why Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery had not gone tempo to this point because they're trying to play their strengths other team and I mentioned this week in and week out on the show and the strength they believe is the defense so trying not to wear them down so when you had the big lead there in the second half you're trying to eat clock keep your defense off the field well the problem was Mississippi State adjusted uh, as they should have to Auburn's run game kind of took that away there in the second half and kind of put Auburn behind the chains more than they wanted to be so Probably should have been more aggressive there, but again, you only have one possession. So in the third quarter, or so then you got to the fourth quarter, and you're still in a similar position to where you're trying to to eat up some clock. So it, it was a little bit tough. I'm not too overly concerned with with the way the second half went offensively. I don't think it was uh, uh, Hugh Freeze reverting to and Philip Montgomery reverting to what they had been doing up until that point. But we'll see. We'll see how they come out offensively against Vanderbilt this upcoming week. But hopefully that that first half wasn't just a blip. Hopefully the offense has figured some things out moving forward. You did hear, I think it was neat there, if you caught it, Hugh Freeze saying he was the one who called the pass play at the end of the game that ended up icing it because there was a pass interference. So Auburn was aggressive there trying to trying to finish things out. Freeze hasn't gone into super detailed on who's calling what. He and Philip Montgomery seem to be, though, sharing the play calling and to some extent. How much Hugh Freeze is, is calling and plays, I don't know. But there does seem to be some split. Did Hugh Freeze start calling more this week? Was that a reason for the changes? I'm not sure, but I did think that was neat, and I did want to point that out. So I talked about the positives. I wanted to mention some of the more negatives, the second half being some of those. But overall, you you have to be happy with what occurred on Saturday. Auburn won. That's what matters. 
and now they get to move forward again. The schedule is a lot easier. It started on Saturday with Mississippi State. Now they look ahead to Vanderbilt, and that is what we will dive into when we return here on Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So stay tuned. You won't want to miss what we got coming up for the rest of the show. Stay tuned to Talking Tumors. Auburn travels to Nashville to play Vanderbilt on Saturday. I will also be in Nashville on Saturday covering this game for Weagle. So make sure, as always, you're following following me on social media at Talking Tumors. Looking forward to getting up there. No, it's not going to be a very good environment, but it will be my first road Auburn game that I've ever been to. So really looking forward to that. Vanderbilt is horrendous. Um, what's new though? They're two and seven this season. They've lost seven straight. They're coming off a loss against Ole Miss this past weekend. They traveled to Oxford for that one. Yes, they're a bad team, but they're going to see this game as an opportunity, as they should. For them, they should see this game as a winnable game. They shouldn't win it. Auburn should definitely win this game, and they should win this game convincingly. But for Vanderbilt, Auburn is a lesser team this year in the SEC, and they're at home, although I would not be surprised if Auburn had more fans at the game than Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, they play competitive this this season. Again, I'm not trying to hype them up or make them more than they are. They are a bad team. But they have played competitive, especially at home against Georgia, as you remember, a couple weeks back. I think that game ended up finishing like 34-17. to Georgia kind of slept walk in there, and Vanderbilt played played well for, for their standard, and they made it a competitive game. That's what can happen if you walk into these stadiums overlooking them or, or not focused on the task at hand. That is the key. As for storylines for, for Vanderbilt, the quarterback situation is unknown. They played three different QBs this season, A.J. Swan, Ken Seals, and now Walter Taylor. So Ken Seals has started the last few weeks. He started against Ole Miss, but then they replaced him and put in redshirt freshman Walter Taylor against Ole Miss. He's a 6'7 quarterback, a huge dude, and, and Vanderbilt just ran it with him. He, he ran the ball 20 times once he came into this game. They, they, they uh, went away from passing hardly at all and just tried to run it. It, it didn't go well uh, for them, but nothing has gone well offensively for them. As for their strength, their defense is more of a strength for them. They held Ole Miss just to one touchdown in the second half. That's a, a key stat to point out. Most every game they have held their opponents in the 30s scoring-wise. And again, some of those opponents have been good offenses, so that if Vanderbilt's able to keep it close, that is a key stat to watch. Can Auburn break 30 this weekend? They have not done it. Even against Mississippi State, came close, but did not break 30. So if Vanderbilt's able to keep Auburn in the low 20s, they they probably believe that they will have a shot in this game. They also had three sacks against Ole Miss. They've got a a decent pass rush. Again, not a good team, but their strength is certainly on the defense side of the ball. Clark Lee, their head coach was a defensive coordinator. Therefore, that is his strength. You would imagine that would be the better side of the ball for, for the Commodores, and it is. Offensively, though, as I mentioned, no matter who's at quarterback, their offense is bad. It's going to be a run-first offense, but it's bad. I, I don't know if they'll go back to Ken Seals this week or A.J. Swan or if they'll, they'll stick with Walter Taylor, who came in against Ole Miss. 
I really don't know and probably won't know until Saturday. You could see all three. They're, again, really, really poor offensively. So how does Auburn avoid a major letdown? That's really all that, that needs to be said. I, I don't need to dive much more into Vanderbilt as a team. That Auburn needs to focus on themselves this weekend and making sure they're locked in to playing the best football they can play because they've been really poor on the road. Yes, Auburn has struggled all year just in general, but on the road it has been poor. They have not proved the ability to play at a high level on the road yet. Can they do that on Saturday at Vanderbilt? against a a weak opponent. Certainly hope so. Again, the key to avoiding major letdowns, play clean. Don't give Vanderbilt any reason for life. This team is 2-7. You start out hot. You start fast. You can, you can take them out of the game early, take away any hope they have. They're going to have some hope. They're going to have some optimism. Again, with this game being at home, Auburn being a lesser, uh, you know, a lesser opponent than some of the teams they've played so far this year, they're going to come out ready to play. If Auburn can start fast and take away any life they have, that's crucial. But also playing clean. No turnovers, uh, penalties. Environment should not be a factor, so there should not be false starts due to not be able to hear the snap. Those, those, those things should not that you typically think about on the road should not occur this weekend for for Auburn. So, don't turnovers, penalties, those allow upsets to happen. Cannot happen for Auburn. And then build upon last week offensively. What especially first half offensively, try to build upon that. Throw the football, run the football, play with some tempo. Uh, you want to see this. You don't want to see what we saw in the second half. So second half, as I just finished talking about in the last segment, was was a little bit frustrating after the 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 first half that you had. So you don't want to revert back to that. You want to build upon what you did in the first half against Mississippi State. Continue to improve. Continue to get your receivers involved. Hopefully, you know Hugh Freeze and Auburn and Philip Montgomery will stick with the. With the quarterback, less of a rotation there between Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford. So that, that'll that be crucial. And then take care of business and get out. Get the win. Even if it's not in dominant fashion, just at least get the win. But you would like to see Auburn come into that, into Nashville on Saturday, win this game, you know, 30-10, to 10, something like that, and get out of there. You, you don't want to have this game go into the fourth quarter with it being a, a touchdown or less lead. You want to be in control from the get-go. So hopefully that is how it will play out. I'll go ahead and do my prediction since I'm getting into Auburn basketball after this segment. I think Auburn will win this game on Saturday. I think, I think they'll break 30. That's my prediction. They haven't done that. I wasn't sure I wanted to go that far. I don't think they'll break 30 by much, but I think they'll get to 31 in this game. I think this game will finish a 31 to 13. I'm putting confidence that they found something offensively this past weekend, that it wasn't just a fluke, that they found something. They're going to go on the road. They're going to play clean football and, and get the win. As I mentioned, the only thing weird about this is it'll be a, a pretty dead environment compared to Jordan-Hare, and it'll be in a different stadium than Jordan-Hare. Besides that, it's still going to be pretty much like a, a home or, I guess, neutral site game. So I'm hoping that'll that'll help out Auburn play a little bit better here on the road this weekend. So I, I'm going thinking a 31-13 like 13 type of game. Auburn's a two-touchdown favorite. First time they've been a two-touchdown favorite in the SEC game since 2020. Yes, it's against Vanderbilt, but it is still 
on the road. So we'll see. I think Auburn wins, and they'll they'll cover the line there. Uh, so I'm putting some optimism in this in this team. We'll go ahead and go to break a little bit early because I do want to dive into Auburn basketball. We're going to have a big preview coming up after after the break, previewing this Auburn basketball season. This team, I'm really excited to get into this. I've been been teasing this segment for a while. Now it's finally here, so I'm ready to, to dive into that. So stay tuned to Talking Tumors. We'll have a long segment coming after the break on Auburn basketball. So who's going to do what? Auburn basketball tips off their season on November 7th. That is a week from tomorrow. But they will play an exhibition game that you can only see live and in person in Neville Arena on Wednesday night against AUM. I cannot wait. I will definitely be there. I'm so, so excited. I love Auburn basketball. Looking forward to this season and and watching this team, a much different team. Last year's team won an NCAA tournament game, but it was an exhausting season. If, if you were a fan of this team uh, of Auburn basketball last year and you watched every game like many of you did, it, it was an exhausting season. This was it was a good team. It was not one of the best, certainly, of Bruce Pearl's era here at Auburn. They were a very good defensive team, but really there was not much there offensively. So they were they were tough tough to watch because every game was felt like a fist fight. Uh, hopefully this year is going to be different offensively with some of the firepower that Auburn has added. For the players that are out the door, just to remind you, we talked about this at the in the spring last year, but some of it was still a little bit unknown. But Wendell Green Jr. is gone, Zepp Jasper is gone, Chance Westry and Yoan Treor both entered the transfer portal after the season. They are gone. Alan Flanagan also transferred. He is he transferred to uh, Ole Miss, so he is gone. So all those players, three of those players were pretty key contributors on last year's team. Two of them were starters in Wendell Green Jr. and Alan Flanagan. Zepp Jasper also was a starter some. Chance Westry and Yoan Treor were the two freshmen on last year's team that really did not play play much. So I'm not going to spend any more time on the people that are out the door. Let's talk about the guys who are here and are new to this year's team. That is Aiden Holloway, the five-star McDonald's All-American true freshman. Denver Jones, a transfer from Florida International University. Chad Baker-Mazzara is a transfer uh, Juco transfer, and Chaney Johnson is a transfer from North Alabama, University of North Alabama in Huntsville up there. I'll talk about the newcomers, go into a detailed breakdown on all of them in just a second, but let's talk about the returners first before we talk about the the new, the incoming players. Starting out with Jalen Williams. He, is, he decided to return for his fifth season Yes, because of COVID, he got a fifth year. He's been playing since his freshman season, so this will be his fifth collegiate season where he's been a contributor for Auburn. And you can't help but expect huge things from Jalen Williams this year. He was one of arguably Auburn's best player last year. He can shoot. He can score at a high level. His defense has continued to improve. He is a veteran leader for this team. The front court will yet again be the strength of this Auburn team this year with him and Janai Broom, who I'll talk about in just a second. 
So Auburn is expecting another big year from Jalen Williams. I think the biggest thing they want him to continue to improve on, and he talked about this at SEC tip-off, they want him to be more physical uh, down low in the paint, and so hopefully we'll see that, and hopefully he'll continue to shoot at a high level this upcoming season. He'll be key to Auburn's success, just like he was last season. Then Lee Orr Berman is also back this year. He is a adds some shooting and some defense off of the uh, the bench for the Tigers. Won't play a ton, I wouldn't expect, but he does add some veteran presence to this team. Then Dylan Carbrall also entering his senior year for, for Auburn. You know Dylan, if you watch Auburn basketball at all, brings a ton of energy, brings great defense and rebounding off the bench. He is trying to improve his offensive game as he's tried to do every offseason. That's, that's been the biggest critique for, for Dylan, he really has not provided much at all on the offensive end. Again, great shot blocker, great rebounder, great defender. But need more offense when Janai Broom comes out of the game. So I hope that, that Dylan Carwell is able to improve there, but certainly a fan favorite for Auburn. Then Janai Broom, as I mentioned, he is a uh, in entering his, I believe, third third year of college basketball, his second here with the with Auburn. Janai came very, very close to going to the NBA draft. He he did declare, went to the G, had got invited to G League Combine, then got invited to the NBA Combine, could have possibly been a second round pick, decided to come back, which was huge for Auburn. Auburn certainly did not want to to lose him uh, that that quickly. But he he is set for a huge season. He's improved his shooting. As you remember, at the end of last season, Janai was starting to shoot really well uh, from behind the the three-point line. He's continued to work on that, continued to work on his handles to become more of a stretch five, meaning meaning someone who can, uh, uh, a center who can play anywhere on the court. So he's worked hard there. He has the chance to be one of the best centers in college basketball this season. If you look at any preseason list uh, of top centers in the country, you will see him on that list. He he is going to be a, a huge centerpiece for this Auburn team this year. The biggest thing for him is his defense. Offensively, he is a very, very good player and is only going to continue to improve as his shot improves. But defensively, Auburn wants to see him take a bigger step this season down low. Then Katie Johnson returning for his senior year, his third year now. Crazy to think that this is Katie Johnson's third year on the Plains. As always, he provides energy. He is Auburn's best defensive player now that Zepp Jasper is gone. He's competing for the two-spot uh, a starting two spot again. I would guess, though, that he will come off of the bench, provide some defense, provide some offense off the bench there. For for Auburn, a very fun player. Hopefully his shot will improve some. That's That's been his biggest uh, fault. Um, offensively has been has been his, his shot selection at times and also his ability to knock down shots. Hopefully that will improve for him this season. Then you've got Trey Donaldson, the point guard, the only point guard that is returning is Wendell Green Jr., as I mentioned, is out the door. So Trey Donaldson uh, returning for his second year was really a surprise last year. Uh, he was better than many people were anticipating. He was 
Thought him more as a developmental type of guy, but he played well in his in the minutes that he got to play last season. Shot the ball better than expected. What are the steps he he is going to take this season? We'll see. Can he improve as a shooter and a defender? He continue. He needs to continue to make strides for this Auburn team because, as I'll talk about later, how this point guard position goes this season could determine how this team goes. And then Chris Moore, a great leader, a great defender, someone who's also not necessarily been great offensively, but he offers that veteran presence and veteran leadership for this Auburn team. I don't expect him to get a ton of minutes this year again, but certainly a good player to have on the roster. All right, with the with the returners being discussed, let's dive into those new faces. If you're you're just listening to this show and you're not real familiar with Auburn basketball so far, if you don't follow Auburn basketball much until the season, you, you're probably wondering who in the world was I talking about when I started listing those names off just a few minutes ago. Well, starting with Aiden Holloway, as I mentioned, he is the true freshman point guard, the only true freshman on this year's team. He is a fantastic shooter. That is, he was many thought he was the best shooter coming out of high school, and so far, and from from everything that this Auburn uh, coaching staff has said, he he has not disappointed. We'll see how it goes when he gets into actual uh, games, but. He's going to have a chance to start at point guard for Auburn this season. Great playmaker, great shooter. How will he play as well on the defensive end? That's a, always a big question mark for, for guys coming out of high school. A lot of them are not great defenders. That's not what they focused on at the high school level. So that will be a question for Aiden. If he's not able to start, that may be why. But he and Trey Donaldson are going to have a really good competition at the one. Then Denver Jones, a transfer from Florida International. He is from the state of Alabama. Ended up going to FIU. Became an all-conference USA player down there. He averaged over 20 points per game last season for Florida International. Really good score. Auburn's trying to work more with him getting to the basket. He has shown the ability to shoot at a high level. I know Auburn wants him to be able to get downhill more, get to the basket and score. I'm pretty sure he's pretty locked in to start at the two for Auburn this year and could end up being the leading scorer for this team. Really excited to watch him. And then someone who was a, a local guy from the state of Alabama, wasn't good enough for either Auburn or Alabama, had to go out of state, worked his way, became a really good player, and now he get, gets to come home and play for the Tigers. Really great story there for Denver Jones. Then Chad baker Mazzara was a Juco transfer coming in to play the three position for Auburn, he is six seven, so adds some height there to that position. He's really been a sharp shooter in his career. Can he add more to his game? He's skinny, so that gives Bruce Pearl some concerns for his defensive ability. He was he is a JUCO transfer. However, he did start out his career at San Diego State. Yes, the same San Diego State that made the Final Four the previous year. He was a starter for that team the year before they made the Final Four. Some. But he had to go JUCO due to some some academic issues. But he's gotten that figured out, and now he is with Auburn. Auburn's hoping for to get the best out of Chad Baker Mazzara this season. And then Chaining Johnson, Bruce Pearl said at SEC tip off, and this really caught me off guard. He said that Chain Johnson can end up being one of the best players in the SEC either this year or next year. That's high praise for someone who is coming from Division Two 
to the SEC. He can't, he's coming from North Alabama, so another guy from the state coming to Auburn. He's competing with Jalen Williams at the four position. Uh, he is a fantastic athlete. That's the biggest thing you heard about him is the athlete that he is. He's got the ability to shoot. He's got the ability to score. Really looking forward to to him. Again, I'm so excited to see all of these new faces uh, this year for Auburn. The big, biggest question marks going into this season, though, starting with the newcomers, is most of them, none of them come from uh, Power 5. They don't call it that in college basketball, but none of them were coming from a high level. So Denver Jones coming from Conference USA, mid-major. you got Chad Baker-Mazzara coming from JUCO. You've got Chaney Johnson coming from D2. And then, of course, Aiden Holloway being a true freshman. So that's the concern. How will those players translate to a higher level? Bruce Pearl and the staff are confident that, they, that it will trans, translate really well, that they are good enough players to play at this level. But that is certainly a concern and a question mark. Can they still play at a high level in the SEC like they did at their previous stops. The other question, the other big question is the defense. Zepp Jasper was a fantastic defender. Wendell Green even defended fairly well. Alan Flanagan, really good uh, defensive player. You you lost those guys. Those guys are out. Katie Johnson is back, but those guys are out. So how will Auburn defend? I think this coaching staff is really confident they're going to be better, much better, shooting the basketball, scoring the basketball than they were last season. They are concerned about the defense. So that is something that will have to grow probably as the season goes on. But that is certainly a concern. But I'll I'll add this caveat. I would much rather be concerned with defense (laughs) this season than offense because last year, as I mentioned, it was brutal to watch Auburn basketball games last year because of the inability to score the basketball consistently. So I'd much rather be able to score a lot and worry about not being able to stop a team than not being able to score. It, it at least makes it more enjoyable to, to watch. And then the one in the three position, I mentioned that how the how these positions pan out could determine how this season goes. And that was really your story a little bit last season. With the, I think the two positions are going to be solidified. That was a big question mark last season. I think Denver Jones is going to solidify that spot. But what happens at point guard? I think Aiden Holloway and Trey Donaldson are going to be very good at this position at Auburn. But it is a question going into this season. I'll, I'll give my prediction on the starting lineup here in just a second. But we'll see how that pans out. The three position, though, is what I'm most concerned about. Chad Baker-Mazar was a little bit of a late uh, get there in the transfer portal. Auburn missed out on a couple other targets. I I like Chad Baker's size. I like his ability to shoot. But I am concerned about his defensive ability and his ability just overall offensively. But we we will see. If those positions do pan out, I am certainly confident in in this front court with Janai Broom and Jalen Williams. They're going to be very good. I'm confident in the two position with Katie Johnson and Denver Jones. If the one and three, the point guard in that three position pan out, then I think you're looking at what could possibly be a really, really good season for Auburn this year. How they answer those questions and how this team meshes together with having a lot of new faces will determine the success. It looks like this team gets along really well, has fun together. The chemistry certainly seems to be better than it was last season. Uh, Bruce Pearl wouldn't wouldn't necessarily admit this 
Um, but it certainly seems to be the case that last year's team did did struggle a little bit, some with chemistry. Again, this team this season has yet to play a game, so they've yet to face adversity. Can they sit together when that adversity hits? Uh, we shall see. If they can do that, though, uh, it, it could be a fun season. I'll have to stop there with the, the preview. That gave you kind of a roster preview. I'm, I'm running out of time on this segment, so I will save my starting lineup prediction and season prediction for next week, and we'll, we'll spend some time on that because I've got a lot I want to say on that, so I don't want to try to rush to get through it. So we'll, we'll head to our final break, and we'll shift back to college football, and I will predict some games of what is a loaded slate of games this weekend. So stay tuned to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. We'll have our final segment coming up. Your career isn't a job. It's a journey. Your next job could lead to bigger things, and you're in charge of how fast and how far you... It is a huge week of college football. This is set up to be one of the best weeks of college football all year, just with the matchups that we're looking at. A lot of fantastic games, starting with an in-state rivalry that does not include Auburn or Alabama. On Thursday night, you got South Alabama at Troy. Troy is in first place in the Sun Belt West right now. There's a four-way tie for second place in the Sun Belt West, and that includes South Alabama, who is 4-4 four and four on the year. A little disappointing year so far for the Jags compared to what they were expecting. However, with a win, they would move into first place in the Sun Belt West because Troy does have one Sun Belt loss if South Alabama is able to pull off the win at Troy on Thursday night. However, I don't see that happening. I'm going with the Trojans in this one over the Jags in what has become a really fun rivalry between these two schools in, in the state of Alabama. Now, Missouri at Georgia. Missouri's coming off a bye, but Georgia's coming off what's probably been their best game they have played all year this past Saturday against Florida in Jacksonville. They destroyed Florida. They had a lot of question marks, including, you know, I asked about what would they look like without Brock Bowers offensively. They had no issues. They looked good. They looked every bit of a national championship contender. Missouri's been the surprise team of the year. They have been phenomenal, and Eli Drinkwitz deserves a lot of credit because they have struggled so far up until this year for him. They're going to be outmatched, though, against Georgia. Georgia's going to have too much talent, and they're having to play on the road. If they were playing in in Columbia, I would feel a little bit bit better about Missouri's chances, but Georgia at home is going to be too much talent-wise for Missouri to overcome. However, you might point out to me that, yes, Missouri nearly beat Georgia last season, but again, that was at home. Missouri's coming off the bye. They're go- I'm sure they'll have a good game plan offensively. Should revolve around getting the ball to Luther Burden, their, wide- their star wide receiver. In the end, though, Georgia's going to be ready for this game, whereas I don't think they were last season. They're not going to be sleepwalking at home. This is Georgia doesn't get many big home games. Uh, they'll be fired up. Uh, I like the Bulldogs in this one. You've got your Final bedlam this weekend, Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma, yes, is coming off a loss to Kansas. And now they've got to play the final bedlam before they head to the SEC. The series is not continuing on, which I hate. 
I hate when rivalries end like this. Hopefully, they'll find a way to continue to play it at some point down the road. Oklahoma State's going to be extremely motivated to get this win. They're not the one that's leaving the Big 12 for the SEC. But Oklahoma's coming off the loss. Do they really want to lose two straight? I don't think they will, but I don't like this pick because of all the factors that, that, go, that go into it. So I am, I am picking Oklahoma on the road to respond well to their loss at Kansas. But Mike Gundy will have Oklahoma State ready to play. This is going to be a tight one. I think it'll come down to the wire. But in the end, Dylan Gabriel, the better quarterback here, will make, will make the plays necessary for Oklahoma to win this game. Another big one in the Big 12 is not getting talked about enough. That is Kansas State at Texas. Texas, of course, now is without Quinn Ewers. He's not going to be out for the whole season, but he is going to be out for this game against Kansas State. Malik Murphy got the start this past weekend for Texas, not Arch Manning, Malik Murphy. If you follow college football, you know that he is someone who a lot of teams went after that were hoping that he would enter the transfer portal after the spring because he is a very, very good quarterback. He just happens to be in a loaded quarterback room at Texas. He played well this past weekend, and now he is looking to try to play well again and keep uh, Texas with just one loss and hopefully get back to that Big 12 championship game. But Kansas State has figured things out. They had a little bit slow start to the season, but they're playing really good football now. They're they're actually running a two-quarterback system and having a lot of success with it. So it is possible. It is possible to do. This is going to be a tough game. I want to pick Kansas State in this one. I do. But my my brain tells me to go to stick with Texas, that they're going to get it done. I predicted them to make the playoff at the beginning of the season. So I, I'm going to stick with Texas, but... But, man, I would not be surprised at all if Kansas State was able to come out with the win here. So I'm going to go Longhorns over Kansas State. LSU at Alabama. Both teams coming off a bye as they as they do every year. They always schedule their byes before, so there's not an advantage one way or the other in that one. Of course, the game is in Tuscaloosa, so advantage for Alabama. The line, however, just three and a half. That's pretty much means if it was a neutral site that it would be a, a, a pick em. So really they're just the line for the home field advantage for Alabama. I'm picking LSU. I, I, I have not really ever picked against Alabama until this season. I picked against them twice. I was wrong when I picked Texas A&M to beat them. I don't think I'm going to be wrong on this one. I, I feel pretty good about this pick. Yes, I know LSU beat them last year. Yes, I know the game's in Tuscaloosa. I don't care. I think LSU is the better team, and I think they'll show that on Saturday. My only, my only point of hesitancy about this game is LSU's secondary. LSU's defense has not been good. They have improved. Alabama's offense is not good, but Jalen Milrow and this and offense can hit big plays, and they can hit big plays on this LSU secondary, and I think they will hit some. But I think Jaden Daniels is the best player, on, will be the best player on the field on Saturday night. He is one of the best players in college football, and I think he is going to lead LSU to a win. It's not going to be easy. The Alabama defense is strong. They're good. But the best player on the field will find ways to lead 
his team to a win, and that's why I'm picking LSU because I've got confidence in Jaden Daniels in the performance that he's going to put on Saturday night in Bryant-Denny. So I, I like LSU. No, I don't expect it to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a tough game. I think it's going to be close. But I think LSU gets it done because they're the better team. I, I really legitimately believe LSU is a better team than Alabama this season. If this was at, at home for LSU, I'd have no hesitancy at all. But because it's on the road and because LSU's secondary, uh, Bama will have a chance to win this game. But I'm going to go LSU. I had more games I wanted to pick, but really, I've got to wrap up the show, so I'll stick with just those games. Again, next week on the show, we'll talk more about Auburn basketball, finishing out the preview on them. We'll recap the Vanderbilt game, talk about the Arkansas game, This is a busy time of the year for Auburn sports when football and basketball are both getting going. But thank you all for tuning in to the show today. Again, whether you're listening live or listening on podcasts, I really appreciate it. Make sure you're following me on social media at Talking Tumors, and we will see you again next Monday. Thank you for listening to Talking Tumors. Make sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 for another edition. Also, make sure to check out Weagle's 24-hour live stream on WeagleFM.com. And follow us on social media at Weagle underscore AU. War Eagle, and see you next time.